Good morning, and welcome to worship at First United Methodist Church. It is a joy to see all of you gathered here today, and also to know that there are many joining us online. If you would, take a moment and register your attendance at the pew pad at the end of the aisle, and uh, also if you're online, just comment uh, as you worship with us so we will know who's worshiping with us. It is another great week here at First Methodist. You'll see activities on your calendar for the coming week. One announcement that I would like to highlight is greeters and ushers are needed for this service. So if you feel uh, the need or the desire or God calling you to serve at celebration service, we would love for you to do so. So you need to see Karen Owen or Susan Swan. Karen, raise your hand so everybody will know who to see if, if you would like to volunteer for that job. Let us, uh, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious God, Prince of Peace, Great Physician, Holy Comforter, Shepherd, we praise your holy name and we call upon your holy name thanking you for this opportunity to worship. We pray that you pour out your Holy Spirit on us in this time of worship so that we might be renewed and draw closer to you. Amen.
As we prepare to receive our morning offering, know that every dollar that you give online or in person goes to make ministry happen here at First United Methodist Church. Our resources come together to be the church, and for that I give thanks. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as an act of worship, we bow before you today and we offer our gifts. We pray for the needs of our lives, for those who are sick among us and those who mourn today, those who are struggling and those who doubt. We pray for the needs of our community, for their great, especially uh, those who are hungry and those who don't have a cool shade or our air conditioning today those who are struggling and, and depressed and, and need your grace. God, we also pray for our nation and our world. The needs are many, but we look to you as a great physician to heal our world and heal our lives, God. We just pray that you would help us on our journey of discipleship, forgive us our sins, bless us, bless this church, and bless the offering that we are about to receive. May you multiply it in its use and guide us in its use for your glory, and for the coming of your kingdom. Amen. If the ushers will come forward, we will worship God with our morning offering. And children, you're dismissed to Children's Church.
So I guess I should have waited to come up to see if, if y'all were going to play What a Beautiful Name again, since you said you wanted to play it again. I got you. I got you. That gave me joy. And what else brought me joy today? Did you see all the children going with Miss Catherine? That um, made my heart bleed to know all those beautiful uh, Young boys and girls are learning and having a great day at church today. So, how many of you are on TikTok? A few, a few. Well, if you watch TikTok videos, or even if you don't, you probably know that hashtag Bama Rush has taken our nation by storm over the past few years. And what this is is it covers sorority rush at the University of Alabama. It started two years ago with OOTD. Anybody know what OOTD means? Outfit of the day. And then moved to P&M's potential new members. And it's just exploded. It's made stars and influencers out of common 18-year-old young ladies. And, uh, and has made a, a big deal out of SEC colleges. Enrollment's up, sorority rush is up, and media following for this is, is great. It's fascinating because these young women spend so much time and effort and money on, on this one, uh, one and a half weeks of, of rush. And it, it's no wonder because it's very important to them. They will connect with a group of sisters or other young women who will be their home away from home for the next four years or maybe more. And in that time, they will eat together and study together and retreat together and um, have fun together and do philanthropy together. And they will wear those Greek letters on, on campus. It will be how they are known across the university. And it will not only be how they are known across the university, but thanks to TikTok, it will be how they are known in this world. It will be their identity. Today, we're going to spend a little time looking at identity the identity that, that matters in this world, our identity. And to help us on that journey, 
we are going to spend some time looking at the identity of Christ. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Matthew, the 16th chapter, verses 13 through 20. Matthew 16, 13 through 20. Hear the good news. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth you will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your word that challenges us and equips us every day. And we thank you for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the opportunity to know him as Messiah and Son of God. And as we study your word today, dear Lord, I pray that the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing and acceptable unto you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Now, the Jews had been eagerly watching. They had been waiting. They were looking for a Messiah. They were waiting for Elijah to come back. What about John the Baptist? Could he be Elijah? He had this crowd in the wilderness and people were streaming to him. But Herod had him beheaded. So what did that mean? And then there's Jesus. Jesus is doing miracles like Elijah. Could he be Elijah or could he be a prophet like the prophets of old? God had been silent for so long. Maybe he is the promised one, the Messiah, a king in the line of King David to overthrow Rome. Who could Jesus be? There was much gossip and speculation around him. People were watching and waiting, looking for how God was going to reveal himself or speak again to his people. In fact, the Sadducees and Pharisees, who didn't often get along, got together and decided they were going to test Jesus to see if Jesus would reveal his identity. And they went to him to, to find out, to get a sign. And Jesus said, I'm not going to give you a sign. You can forecast the weather, but you cannot know about signs from, from God. Jonah went to people who weren't Jewish and he gave them a message. And they didn't need a sign. They immediately repented and returned to God. Here's your sign. Jonah was in the belly of a big fish for three days. And so the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth for three days. 
That's going to be your sign. When you see that, you will know. But you wouldn't listen to any sign or you haven't seen any sign that has been given. So Jesus leaves it at that. And then he decides to get away with his disciples. They leave the religious leaders, the crowds, and the busyness behind. And they head north to get away. They go to Caesarea Philippi, and while he's there, he asks them, What does everybody say about me? What's the gossip out there on the street? And the disciples answer, Well, some say you're Elijah, and some say you're a prophet that has come back and then Jesus asked them the question but who do you say that I am Peter answers you are the Messiah son of the living God Jesus responds with Peter you couldn't come up with such an answer on your own which I think that's kind of a backhanded compliment, but it, it must have been affirmative because Jesus says, Peter, well, Simon, then your name's going to be Peter now, which means rock, and on this rock I'm going to build my church. And you're going to have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. That's why people say St. Peter's at the gates of heaven, because he has the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And what you bind on earth would be bound in heaven, and what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You have to wonder, as, as Peter was making this affirmation of, of Jesus, did he pause? Did he hesitate? We, we don't know. From Scripture, it sounds like he boldly made this proclamation, but was there a pause? Were there some wrong answers in the conversation? Peter boldly says, you are Messiah, son of, of God. But before that, he was, the disciples were answering what everybody else thought. You know, it is so much easier to stand behind what everybody else thinks than to say your own thoughts. I see it all the time in the church. Somebody will go, do you know what everybody's saying or do you know what everybody's doing? When it's not an everybody, it's actually just that person and they're hiding behind everybody. But Peter professed for himself that Jesus was the Messiah, Son of God. Peter confirmed Jesus' identity. He confirmed who Jesus was. And Jesus affirms that and goes on to say, do not reveal this to anyone. What you have affirmed, do not tell others. From the time of Peter till now, the Holy Spirit has continued to inspire people to answer that question, to affirm Jesus' identity. In fact, we see it in the Gospel of Matthew after the scripture reading for today. Just past the scripture reading, the transfiguration God says, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And then at Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, the people cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now the crowd was fickle, but at that moment they recognized his lordship. And the woman who had the alabaster jar who anointed Jesus, she may have not had said it with her words but she said it with her actions she anointed Jesus and then at Jesus's crucifixion there was the 
uh, sign that was put there, King of the Jews. It may have been done mockingly, but it identified Jesus. And then as Jesus died on the cross, the centurion affirmed, Surely this man was the Son of God. And those affirmations continue to today. We do those in the church. It's what is known as a profession of faith. Romans 10 says that if you confess Jesus as Lord with your mouth, then you will be saved, and all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Thus, we continue to affirm Jesus' identity as the Messiah. Now, for some, it comes in a bold Holy Spirit moment, just like with Peter. For others, they grew up in the church, and they've always known Jesus' love. And they've always known his lordship. And for them, it's, it's an affirmation that's always been a part of them. And for others, this affirmation comes as a result of confirmation class. They learn more about Jesus. And as the question has been posed to them, who do you say Jesus is? They make that claim upon their lives. So whether it come in a bold, emotional moment or a moment of thought and much prayer, all these are valid ways in which we claim the identity of Jesus for our lives. Who do you say that I am? A powerful question which Jesus invites us to respond to and which many of you have responded to, but maybe answering that question is more than just our words. Maybe the answer to that question is also how we live our lives. In studying the Gospels, in the story about Jesus and the demons, it's always interesting to know that the demons immediately knew who Jesus was. If you read in Matthew chapter 8, he goes to the town of uh, the Gerardines and he meets two uh, possessed people in the cemetery there and they come out even before he greets him and greets them and says a word they say son of God what have you to do with us they knew who Jesus was so maybe professing or affirming Jesus identity is more than just what we say with our mouth because the demons knew maybe it's also how we live our lives in response to that affirmation Maybe it's how we live in this world. Maybe that's why Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 7, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of the Father. Now, I don't, I don't say that to be dramatic or to cause fear or, or doubt. I subscribe to the, the first John 4 camp that perfect love casts out fear and, and God gives us boldness on the day of judgment. That's not to be fearful. But I raise this question just to make you think. How do you not only profess Jesus with your lips, but with your lives? Think about those sorority girls who have pledged to their sororities last week. Those girls made famous with hashtag Bama Rush. When they put on those Greek letters, it's not just about wearing the Greek letters. It's also a set of standards. And for those of you who have been in sororities, you know the standards can be quite rigorous. There is a code of conduct that they have to live up to. Because they represent the letters they wear 
That is their representation. They're part of the brand. That is who they are. That is how they are to live in the world. So how do we wear the letters of Jesus? How do we live into that brand in the world? How do we identify? Now, I know identity is a hot topic word these days. It's kind of a buzzword, uh, and there's a lot of ways you can identify. You can identify with your sorority, where you work, where you go to school, so many different things, even where you go to church. But how do you identify in Jesus? Perhaps we can find our identity by answering the question, who do you say that Jesus is? If you know Jesus to be Messiah, Son of God, then how are you placing your trust in him? How are you following him with your whole heart? How are you living a life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? How is the Holy Spirit allowing you to proclaim Jesus' identity in your life every day? People in our world are searching for that identity. And it's an important part of who we are. And if you're one of those people searching for identity, I encourage you to find your identity in Christ, not just with the words you say, but by following his example, by trusting him more, by placing your life in his hands, by, as Romans 12 says, being a holy and living sacrifice unto him. And in that, you will find peace and joy. Because unlike the sorority world, it's not a world where you'll be fine if you don't meet up the standards, but it's a world where you'll find grace and peace. And while the world around you might be changing, Jesus is unchanging. He is grace. I think of Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount when he said that a wise man who hears the words of Jesus and follows them is like a man who builds his house upon the rock. When the storms of life come, the house stands firm. And the foolish man who builds his house upon the sand, when the storms of life come, and the foundation did not stand firm, but it fell. When we find our identity in Christ, in our words, in our actions, then we have a firm foundation to face the difficulties of life. We have a firm foundation for whatever may come. At some point in our lives, and perhaps that's been for you, you have been asked the same question. In your spirit, in church, I don't know where that is. The same question that Peter was asked thousands of years ago. Who do you say that I am? Perhaps this is a question not only of words, but a question of action and activity. Maybe it's a question of how we live our lives every day. Who do you believe Jesus to be? Is your identity in him? Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for Jesus, for your son, for Messiah, 
for our Lord. And we thank you for his presence with us today. Help us to be a follower of Christ, not just by answering the question, but living the question so that we might serve him daily and represent him in the world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
in response to God's word, if you have a prayer need in your life or would you like to unite with First United Methodist Church or seek the sacrament of baptism, I'll be available after service to talk with you. And also, uh, anyone know what this week brings? Football. It really starts this week with the good teams. And so just a reminder that we have, for those of you with season tickets, we have Thursday night worship at 5.30 here in the sanctuary. It is a fun group. It is about a 30-minute service. We would love for you to be with us if you can't be here on Sunday morning. And also in celebration of this new season, we're going to have a football-based sermon series that kicks off next week called Get in the Game. So I hope you'll join us for worship either on Thursday night or next Sunday. And now receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.